Well, I guess first thing is like we can eat cupcakes. Yeah. Like it's just right. Like, <laughs> right, right. I just had two donuts in the car. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> and that that should be said. Oh, hi, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Walt Drennan, and you're listening to Ask Me About My Type 1, the Q&A show all about type 1 diabetes. Like I said, I'm back, and we're back to the original type 1, type none format. Today, my guests are Dave and Eric. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Sure. Yeah, I'm Dave Shire. I'm the T1 on today's episode. Our T1 guest for the day, yeah. Yeah. I'm Eric Hammond, and I'm the non-T1 guest on the show. <laughs> I've been calling them type nuns. I'm not sure. Type I've, nuns. Yeah. There go. I like it. It's a very common saying. Like, JDRF has that tag. like, make type one, type none. Yeah. So, I'm done with that. Okay. Sounds type none. Good. I'll yeah. use the hashtag whenever I tweet out this episode. Yeah. You have no types. <laughs> type none. Okay. So, Eric, tell us your story. What's your deal? What do you do? Where are you from? I grew up in Penn Hills. I'm a, I've been born and raised in the Pittsburgh area. I... Um, on the digital marketing team at American Eagle here in oh, town. Our headquarters okay. is here. I know Dave from a mutual friend, our friend Jay Mitlow. That's how we got connected. We we get together almost every Tuesday night. I've I've had a a, a daughter in the past six months, so things have changed a little bit. So time wise, okay. I don't get to do right. Tuesday nights as much anymore. But we uh, we just have a friend night on Tuesday night that we uh, just got connected with, and then. From there, we've we've gone camping together and a bunch of other stuff and and stuff with with church and and things yeah. like that. Yeah, so oh. we've we've known each other for man. I'm trying to think now. It's got to be like eight years, probably. Yeah. Okay. Which is like, man, I'm getting old. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brother. We all are. <laughs> and Dave, what's your story? Yeah. Um. So I grew up here in the Pittsburgh area, um, from the Penn Hills uh, area as well. I currently work at Point Park University downtown, okay. and I do a mix of stuff over there with like their honors program in sort of co-curricular programming, and also like a supervisor in our student fitness center. All right. Now, uh, tell us about your type one. How long have you had it? When were you diagnosed? Yeah. So I have been type one for just over 21 years. I was diagnosed, what, two months and a day before my 10th birthday. Okay. So I was in fourth grade. Would just come home and say that I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Walk around with like a thermometer in my mouth. And my mom says that she noticed I would drink like a two liter of Coke in like a minute. So got to a point, she's like, do you not feel well enough that you'll go to the doctor? Hmm. And as a fourth grader, I said, yes. (laughs) Of course. Yeah go to the doctor Tuesday morning and then I'm in children's hospital Tuesday afternoon. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so was your diagnosis kind of like a long drawn out process or did, did you find it like from symptoms starting to getting diagnosed? Was it like a long time? It's probably, yeah. it's a long time ago. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember. I don't know if like my symptoms were drawn out. I think it was probably like maybe through some of that summer and then like beginning of the school year. Cause it was October Okay. 97. So like probably that first part of that school year in fourth grade was like 
not feeling great and just like always saying I felt sick. Mm. I never had any like crazy symptoms. I wasn't admitted to the ER. They just like put me in the hospital for a few days. Yeah. Um, So like I didn't have like any crazy thing. I don't know what my glucose level was, a diagnosis and any of that. But like, yeah, just like normal started off with a normal week and then Tuesday afternoon in the hospital for three days. Yeah. You got it. Thanks. You won. Super fun. Yeah. (laughs) And so, Eric, how did you come to know Dave's type one? I've just kind of, I don't know. That's a good question because I just kind of always knew. Like, I I probably, if I would kind of piece my thought together, it would be like I just saw him have his little insulin pump and like, oh, you have something going on that right. a lot of people don't have going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I've, I've asked him a little bit, but not a lot, you know, cause it's one of those things like, you don't want to like, you know, I'm sure like he's got questions all his life. He's had like so much attention drawn to him as a kid. And like, I don't want to be that guy of like, you know, what's going on with that. But I think, you know, like what we're doing here is, is really good. Cause one of my misconceptions, one of my questions today was, so you're type one diabetic, but I thought, that meant that you were born a mm. diabetic. Yeah. So I that's like a that. misconception yeah. on mine. I just thought that, right. right, you were just born with it, but you got it later on, and I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's like pretty enlightening to me and tells a much different story. And yeah. it's probably really scary as a 10-year-old <laughs> kid of like, holy crap, something's wrong. Now I'm in the hospital. And yeah, it's like, it's not good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the, I've already learned something already right off the bat. Learning things <laughs> there we as go. we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's the name of the show, basically. So yeah, let's get into the questions. So basically, but before we begin, the one rule that we have is that we have the type one timeout. Okay. So kind of, I've noticed kind of over the course of my 19 years with type one, that type ones have a lot of kind of phrasing and lingo that we just kind of, we know because we've been living right. through it and we kind of just gloss over those kinds of things. Yeah. So when a type none is in the situation, like they just don't know what's going on. Yeah. And so in that case, if Dave or I say anything that you just don't get, you can call a type, you can assume that it has something to do with type one. It may not, but yeah. in this context of the conversation, it probably will. Yeah. So you can just call a type one timeout and then we stop the conversation wherever we are and then we have to explain it until okay. you understand what's going on. Okay. Yeah. I feel like there should be a bell. Like <laughs> We should get one. <laughs> yeah. Be fun. yeah. Some sort of, some sort of, some sort of alarm bell sound, sound effect. Well, yeah. No, but I like that rule. That's good. That's yeah. Good. All right. So let's go with your first. So you, you kind of said your first question. So why don't yeah. you, why don't we go with where did that kind of conception come from? So you like type one, you assume type one was from birth. Like where did that come from? Right. Um, just, I guess, cause more like, I guess type two diabetic, it's usually more when people get older. Right. Right. So I just kind of assumed like, well, type one, you've always had it, you know, right. It, it, you know, that kind of thing. So okay. it was just kind of an assumption, right? Yeah. It wasn't, I didn't look anything up or learn anything right. from a book about it. I just kind of assumed that type one, you're probably born with it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's where that's where that came from. And Dave, do you want to explain? Because type, even type two isn't necessarily diagnosed in type uh, or in older people, yeah. especially yeah. nowadays. Yeah. There are a lot of like younger teens and younger and older teens that are getting it that we've found. But type 1 specifically, the number that I keep on remembering is that the same number of people under 30 are being diagnosed as mm. they are over 30. Mm-hmm. So you can literally get it whenever, whenever. There's no kind of, right. it used they used to actually call it juvenile diabetes because yeah. so many children around the 13 to kind of preteen to teenage would, would get it. 
But yeah. now they're finding it in people. Like I had a guest previously. She's a nurse. And uh, she knew a baby that was diagnosed in the in the NICU. Yeah. So like weeks after they were born. So there's that. But then there's also, I met a, a woman. She was diagnosed at 70. So mm. yeah. it's very... Like when I was yeah. when I was diagnosed, there were two other guys like around my age that were diagnosed at the same time. One guy that lived down the street from me. Another guy that was a little bit older that went to my church. So it's kind of weird that like three of us within like the span of probably less than a year hmm. were all diagnosed at the same time. Oh, wow. And then when I was in college, I had two friends that were diagnosed during college. And then I have another friend that I've met online that she just turned 30 and has been diagnosed in the past like six months. Oh, wow. So like yeah. brand new to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it's something that doctors are still kind of figuring out that it could be any age. There's still like you hear the stories of people that were misdiagnosed and either don't make it out of it or just kind of spend months trying to figure out this diagnosis. Yeah. And then eventually they figure out it's type one and then they just kind of feel a whole lot better within a very kind of quick amount yeah. of time just because they figure out what they had. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it can be pretty dangerous if you don't understand yeah, totally. that or if you feel like you're out of the kind of the, the window of type one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, people have died because of that basically. Yeah. So it's good to know. I think it's good for everybody to know that you can get this at any point especially the like older people like outside of their parents care because yeah. we're we're less likely to go to the doctor for like aches and pains and stuff like that so right you can get it whenever wow yeah, yeah all yeah. right yeah. cool i mean not cool but like good en to know. enlightenment <laughs> again enlightened <laughs> good to know yeah all right uh dave let's go to one of uh your questions that you've gotten or something that you wish people would ask Goodness. I mean, there's always the funny ones that people like ask me what my pump is. Like I had a guy I worked with that asked to like, if I had a pager, yeah. I was like a 23 year old in an office and like going old school 2011. Like, yes, I have a pager. Like, no, it's, it's an insulin pump. So that was always funny. And more recently, since I've started using a CGM, I was out somewhere and someone asked me what it was. Mm -hmm. I was going to, I was about to say type one time out because go for it. CGM. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so a CGM, CGM it's is... A, it's an acronym that gets thrown around a lot. So, yeah, yeah Dave, explain it. I so don't have one, so yeah, it's you probably know better. It's a continuous glucose monitor. Okay. So that's what yeah. the device that I wear on my arm is. So yep. it gives me what my blood sugar level is gotcha. every five minutes in live time, like right to my phone. On your phone. So it's Okay, so it's on through an app. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, is that replace like doing like a blood test? Pretty much. Like I uh, still... Yes and no. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I still do I'm like with the kind that i have i'm supposed to calibrate it twice a day yeah so that's down to two finger sticks a day rather than like six. Oh, okay yeah yeah that's a benefit right yeah, yeah and then they're they're also not as accurate as they could be so they can like right. their accuracy so you kind of wane just keep a real check in just right. to make sure yeah it's, it's reading right so gotcha. glucometers are kind of the standard but even those are Find, we're finding to be not as accurate as they probably could be. Mm, so it's kind of, yeah. it's like a big debate in our, in and are our the, world. Those are relatively yeah. new. So they're still CGMs? trying to like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say. I'd say so. This is like so the fifth generation. Like dial them in and. Right. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And then trying to make the requirements of calibrating. So like that's two. That was probably, I think that was the the least number for a while, but now they have one that you don't have to calibrate at all. Mm. And that's kind of like what people are shooting for. But yeah. again, they're still 
they're still kind of fine-tuning it and yeah. they're they can be accurate one day and not accurate the next it's kind of a hit or miss kind of thing gotcha yep. like even even this morning overnight i was getting low alarms and like i check and like i was low but not as low as my cgm was saying yeah so like i didn't calibrate then because then i need to it just throws off the calibration timeline mm. basically yeah i'm just like all right i'll go get something yeah i probably waited way too long i dropped down to the 40s this <laughs> okay. morning. oh yeah but i checked and yeah. i was only like 65 so i'm like i don't really care right yeah. <laughs> but to stop the alarms i went and had i can some, do that yeah some coke <laughs> yeah. so actually that's another type one timeout go for it so in terms of numbers so you you said 40 so i'm assuming that's really low yes right yeah and then in terms of like the scale of of numbers what like what's the what's the margin and like what's good and what's bad like where do you want to be and and that kind of thing like what's considered high like if you get to like what's the threshold for high and what's yeah. the threshold for low so generally you'd want to be like between 70 and like 150 okay but i think it's kind of case by case depending on the person mhm so like with my cgm i have limits set as to where i would start getting alarms Okay. So they are set 70 to 170. Gotcha. And that's just kind of like the range that I'm comfortable floating around. Like where you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, usually like 200, if you like break 200, you're high. Yeah. I mean, I've been up to like three and 400. You don't want to be there. <laughs> I know. imagine not. Yeah. No, you just <laughs> double, double, double the, uh, the, the, the high number. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Those hurt. You can, I feel them at least. Glucometers, I think the upper limit is 600, I want to say, six. five. So if, if it's anything above 600, it just says high because mm -hmm. it's just so big that yeah. the, the machine can't calculate it. Right. Um, CGM does the same thing. I think if it hits 500, it just says high. Right. If it's below yeah. 40, it just says low. Right. Or so uh, cool. severe low or something like that, yeah. depending yeah. on how low it goes. Yeah. Yeah. But I've heard of people having like an a thousand because they go to the emergency room and they wow. theirs is like a lot more dialed in, so yeah. they can go to those higher numbers. Right. Wow! Um, and that's crazy because yeah. you wouldn't think that person would be alive, but yeah. apparently they they made right. it through. A regular person without type one, a type none, would typically be their blood sugar kind of hovers around the one hundred. It'll go up and down around yeah. that, but it averages out basically to yeah. one hundred. And anything below 70 supposedly kind of leads to cognitive uh, loss. So, like, you lose ability to function cognitively. Yeah. I think type 1s are, I don't know, I don't really feel it after 70. I definitely feel it, like, lower than that. But, I don't know, I think maybe just because I've been doing this for so long, like, I kind of get used to it. Like, my, bra my yeah. brain has gotten used to not having enough sugar. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, like, if you were to feel, if you were probably going to go even to, like, 80 or something, you would you would feel it sooner than we would right just right. because you're not used to doing right. that yeah gotcha but yeah. Yeah. i mean i know i had a period in life where like i just always ran high so like if i was like under 100 i would get like low symptoms yeah that's the other thing like you gotcha. can you can get used to where you are if you're in it for long enough so like a yeah. 200 could feel normal for somebody if they're there for that long that's wow. another kind of danger but yeah. it's still not good for your right body. yeah it's yeah yeah it's not <laughs> in good general. at all right gotcha. yeah so if you're in there for that long like it can lead to complications down the road so it's a it's a constant kind of struggle with balancing and calibrating and finding that kind of middle line yeah yeah yep wow but we have those CGMs. That's like technology that's come out pretty recently within the last five years, I want to say. Yeah, it helps a lot 
Yeah. Kind of, so you don't have to constantly finger prick. You can just yeah. see it on your phone. Yeah. Usually it comes with a transmitter. Now the app is a more recent thing that is coming on your phone that you can, and people can see it. So like you can share that information. Yeah. Yeah. So can people like watch out for you and give you a call if you're not listening to the alarm, stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 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 That's the idea at least. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that makes sense. It's a, yeah, yeah it's a nice system. The buddy, Absolutely. the buddy system. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Now, Dave, are there any questions that you've gotten in the past or any questions that you wish people would ask you? I think one of the like better questions that I've gotten was so like when I was in college, I was applying for like a study abroad trip and it was just like a short term trip, just like a month. And so the leaders of that trip like brought me in and like asked me extra questions after our like initial interview time and just like how well I managed things, how I managed things if I was like comfortable to like go on this trip for three weeks Mm -hmm. and just like they really were interested in the nuts and bolts of it rather than just like passing over me because of a chronic illness. Right. It could have easily been an issue on the trip, but like, I don't know, felt very confident and comfortable in how I was managing things at that point because that was my junior year of college. Right. So I've been doing it for like, 12 years at that point yeah yeah <laughs> so it's like i think i'll be okay for you got it three yeah. weeks so. yeah and how'd three weeks go it was awesome yeah um so it was three weeks in new zealand right during january so like their middle of summer their summer yeah got to do a canoe trip and got to do like spend time on a sheep farm and got to shear sheep and just explore new zealand for a month <laughs> yeah middle earth yeah always want right. to go there exactly yeah. it's a gorgeous Look part look of the earth. Hobbits and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And then no issues or anything like that with your type one or that you can remember at least. No, not really. I mean, that was probably the time of my life that I like was running high. So like the, the scary part is like dealing with lows. So like I never right. had to deal with lows. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. It's like good and bad, but I did another study abroad during grad school where I spent two months in Ireland and like one of the first weeks I was there woke up in the middle of the night like drenched in sweat and like mm-hmm. was super low so that was mm-hmm. kind of scary and just like went into the kitchen of the apartment and just like ate anything i could find yeah and then just apologized to my roommates <laughs> as for forgiveness later it's like sorry later, yeah medical emergency i'll <laughs> yeah. buy you some more i'll buy you some more juice <laughs> yeah. it's probably better if you find empty juice than a dead roommate so <laughs> It's like a trade-off, yeah. Right. yeah. I've definitely stolen a couple things every oh, now and sure. again in the at the expense of a low. Yeah. Um, a lot of finished sodas by the time you get to the checkout counter at, at like Target right. or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. All right. Uh, Eric, what's uh, another, another one of my question? Questions? Yeah. Um, so you had, you, you were type 1 diabetic when you were at, at 10. So did you feel limited in any way growing up? I mean, sort of, probably because, like, elementary school, every kid comes in and celebrates their birthday. Mm. So, like, cupcake day always sucked mm. as the diabetic kid. Yeah. So that was one thing. And, like, I think when I was first diagnosed, I definitely got bullied and, like, people just called me diabetes boy. Yeah. Just because, like, they don't know anything about it. And all of a sudden, that's something they can point right. out about me. You're different. different. Right. right. Yeah. So mm. that really sucked. Yeah. Yeah, that, that like idea came up with like uh, cupcakes and, you know, people, it came with someone who was actually diagnosed at 24, someone brought in like donuts to the office and they said, yeah. uh, 
something to the effect of like, oh, sorry, like you can't have these or just assume that they couldn't. So what was it like actually like for you? Because I could only assume I was 12. And by that time I was kind of cupcakes weren't a thing after that. Um, <laughs> uh, or at least in class, at least. Right. So what was that like, I guess, specifically? Were the, was it like parents imposing that on you? Or was it your parents saying like you couldn't participate? Or who was where was that coming from? I honestly don't remember. Like my mom was super active in like everything for mm-hmm. me growing up in school. And so like she knew all the other moms would be doing stuff. So I think they like would coordinate and bring right. something so, else in for me. Yeah. So like, like what what would be a good thing to bring in? Like to instead to, of that. Yeah. Well, I guess first thing is like we can eat cupcakes. Yeah. Like it's just right, like, well, <laughs> right, right. I just had two donuts in the car. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And, <laughs> And that that should be said because like yeah. you can eat, but what is it like? So I guess that would be either two questions. If somebody does bring in cupcakes, what should they look out for? You know, in terms of, you know, what do they need to do if there's anything on their end, keeping mm-hmm. an eye on, on you or whatever. And two, would you rather them bring in something else for, for you to enjoy? I think at this point in life, I just bring the cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would do that too. Uh, yeah. I mean, when I was first diagnosed, gosh, I can't even remember some of the stuff. People, maybe like fresh fruit. I yeah. mean, it's, it's still got sugar in it, but well, it's yeah. like, fruit's got a lot of sugar. It's got fiber in it. So it's like, yeah. balance it, it out. Yeah. 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 So, in terms like, so if you're a type done listening and you have kids, who have type one diabetic classmates. Yeah. Uh, the best thing probably would be to get a carb count for each cupcake. So that's yeah. kind of our number that we go by. So how we decide how much insulin to take. So we have to take insulin for everything. We eat. doesn't matter cupcake or, right. you know, um, it's just the term is the amount that you need. Right. right. And yeah. so we can uh, mitigate those high blood sugars that a cupcake would, you know, obviously give us by giving us ourselves insulin. So if the, if the kid having a cupcake, you know, you can tell their parents how many carbs are in that cupcake, so that way they can tell their child how much to give whenever cupcakes are coming out. Gotcha. Um, I've definitely heard stories where a, par- a type one parent told her there was they were going to have a big cupcake and it was, they were getting ready for it. So the kid dosed, and then the teacher, because they did not know, they just assumed like you can't, you're type one, you can't have a cupcake. Did not give him the cupcake, so he oh, ended up gosh. going like severely low, and it was like a big hullabaloo. Yeah. Um, so it was actually really dangerous in yeah. that case. Right. So because the parents knew and were kind of like, they prepared accordingly, right. but like the teacher didn't. So right. I think it was like a situation where the cupcakes were there and just the teacher passed them out. And so she did not give it to this one kid because he had type one, but he had actually prepared for it. Yeah. So, so in that case, he actually needs the cupcake. I so just yeah. envision this kid, like just like diving over a desk, just like trying to get the right, cup. Exactly. Like I need, give me it. <laughs> yeah. It was, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think he had, he ended up getting like taken out of the classroom because like he would not listen to the teacher because oh, apparently, man. but yeah, it was a big, gosh. big deal. It and is so, awful. So the, yeah, the mom was very ticked off and yeah told the principal what to do about it. So like there is, are those situations. So I think the more that everybody knows, the better. So like yeah. type one parents, you can definitely let, you can even just say out loud because parents will, I think parents assume that like they, they know a couple things about type one or diabetes in general. So like they, yeah. they feel like they're doing the right thing. They're like avoiding something bad for the, for this kid. But in doing that, they make them feel excluded or just make them feel different, yeah. which at that age is not, the greatest feeling we can eat cupcakes we just have to prepare <laughs> for them I've yeah i had times i remember like 
probably junior high in church, like they'd bring in donuts yeah, and they'd bring me a bagel instead. And like, honestly, like that's, <laughs> that's worse. Just as bad, the, if right. not worse. You're like doubling yeah. down on like, you're different. Like you're right. already a diabetic, which means, you know, you're different than most of the people in the room. Here's a bagel to make you feel even more different. Right. Like, like <laughs> literally the donut I had this morning is like 36 carbs and a bagel would be like probably 52. On average, they're wow. like around 50, 60. Not, yeah. Way worse than just me having <laughs> wow. the glazed might donut. As well, might as well have a donut. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, that's eye opening. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. a lot of air in donuts. Yeah. It's not yeah. all sugar. <laughs> right. right. Light and yeah. fluffy. Exactly. <laughs> but a ba- yeah, bagel is super dense. It's a lot of flour. Yeah. <laughs> right. Flour has a lot of carbs. Yeah. Yeah, bagels are not necessarily healthier than donuts. Yeah. Wow. That's just a human thing, too. Not right. just for type ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's super interesting. Especially because yeah. we're looking at carbs rather right. than sugar. Yeah. I think so that's, sh- that's the other thing. That's I one think. of the big misconceptions. Because carbohydrates are a sugar. Yeah. But carbohydrates are in, are in everything. And that's what the body's main source of energy is. Right. And so that's what we need to live. Like everybody needs it to live. Yeah. But our body doesn't really handle those things as well as it could. Yeah. You know, without the type one. So yeah, we just have to think about it a lot. Everything that we eat comes with a decision, like what to do about it. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any other question or anything that you thought of to bring up? I think one thing as sort of like a, a more aged diabetic. Yeah. Uh, like the, the new trend of like pre bolusing. Oh yeah. Is like something kind of new to me and was like a throwback to when I was first diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Time point, time out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Did you say pre-bolusing? Pre-bolusing. Pre-bolusing. Yeah. Yes. Gotcha. What is that? So the verb is bolus. Okay. And then I guess the gerund bolusing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know English. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the word bolus. So pre-bolus. So bolus, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. It's just a medical term for a small dosage of anything to have a, an immediate effect on the person. Okay. So when we refer to bolusing, we're talking about insulin. That's our medication. That's what we do for everything, basically. So a, bol- a pre-bolus is what you, a bolus that you do before you eat so that you can avoid that spike that usually comes from like eating. Like the kid with the cupcake. He was right. He was doing it before it. so yep. that he didn't have that huge spike in the middle of his cupcake party. Right. So to avoid that, like the idea is to shoot up beforehand yep and then that way as you're going down and you eat your cupcake the sugar goes up so it kind of plateaus the idea that's the ideal doesn't always work that way yeah but that's the idea behind pre-bolusing yeah so it's it's the the dangers are in those spikes those like sudden ups and downs that really hurt us more so than the the highs that like staying high for a really long time yeah so pre-bolusing is in an effort to avoid that yeah yeah gotcha yeah and like i don't know if it's like a so I've always taken my dose before meals, mm-hmm. but I feel that there's been like this new trend of dosing and then even waiting like 15 to 30 minutes again yeah. before eating. And that, like to me, it's like a throwback to when I was taking insulin R. Oh, yeah. I had to yeah. wait a half hour. I think so. The waiting, I think it has more to do with just how insulin affects the person. So it's not like a set time limit. People right. just wait however long they wait because that's how long it takes for their insulin to get to them because it doesn't always affect you the same way Uh, especially the longer you have it like the idea the idea i think just insulin doesn't work as well the longer you use it i think just because your body gets used to used to it (laughs) right um just tolerances and all that noticed it right so it's a bit more of a lag the older you get and so like the big thing with insulin companies is they're trying to make an insulin that works 
like within so the the standard is 15 minutes that's just that's kind of like the standard time it takes for anything to be absorbed in your body but they're trying to like shorten that to like five or ten it mm. doesn't always work that way right. but that's kind of what yeah. their goal is and i think pre they like finally put a name to it i don't know i don't remember hearing that when i was diagnosed and yeah, i really yeah. i've honestly only heard about it in the last few years yeah. like i i didn't really ask much about it because like you can it's like pre-bolus, like a bolus before. So yeah, that makes sense. But it's definitely, it definitely, it's like per person. I think it's case by case basis. Like sometimes people will bolus or pre-bolus 45 minutes, I've heard. Sometimes I'll, I'll if I remember to do it, I'll do it maybe five <laughs> minutes before. And it, it probably doesn't have the like, same effect. But I've definitely had times where I'm like dosing on my pump as I'm like shoveling food yeah. in my mouth. That's how I did it for the longest it's time. Like, yeah. For a long time, I would do it afterwards, which apparently it's like as I'm, when I'm already high anyways, but uh, I did for the longest time and I don't really remember anything or feeling any different. pre blessing I think is definitely better just because you avoid the high feeling. Like, oh, for sure. Uh, like altogether. Yeah, it is definitely something that's been like named, I think, or given a name within the last few years. And it's something that, and it, again, it's a, a way to avoid those spikes. Like people are a lot of, I've heard people call it a no hitter. So like in a CGM, you have those upper and lower limits. Yeah. A no hitter or like is a way of calling it so that you don't go above or below those right. like you just stay within that fine yeah. line and that's kind of like something people like try to go for like sure. a challenge to give themselves yeah so pre-bullishing is part of that making sure that you don't have those upswings and yeah kind of timing it just right people i think pride themselves in like being able to do it like really well like right. oh i timed it perfectly and <laughs> yeah. i i feel proud when i when i get it oh, uh, the sure. few times that i do it's like nailing like the when you're at the gas pump and you nail like the $25 even. Right. right. Exactly. It's exactly <laughs> it's like very that. very satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only you actually really feel satisfied. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you don't, yeah. you don't feel terrible. So right. yeah, it's, yeah, it's an right. incentive. Yeah. On top of that. No. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've definitely got into the habit of like trying to do it more. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know, figure 21 years of doing this, I'm noticing that my body is super slow to respond mm. right. to yeah. insulin. So it's like, depending on what I'm eating, I definitely will even try like up to half an hour right. early yeah. if I can because it's it takes so long for it to take an effect. And that's something that it sounds like, so it's different for everybody. You just got to yeah. kind of figure out what's your magic time. Right. Yeah. Do. There's yeah. Some people will set timers. Like I, mm-hmm. someone on a previous episode, uh, she, she pre bullist and then the food came in way earlier than they thought. So like they kind of just sat there. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Oh, right. And she was you know, to, when you're sitting at the restaurant yeah. and like they, they bring the food out, you're all excited. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. <laughs> right, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. You're ready to go. <laughs> and then when they, they throw a curveball and get your food too early and then, and the timer hadn't gone off. So like, Oh, I gotta, gotta wait. Yeah. But yeah. That's probably a more diehard reaction. I probably just started eating. Yeah, I, would, I would just go for it. Yeah. Just, but again, it's we'll like, right. that's that's my way of doing it. There's a lot of different ways to type one, yeah. I feel. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It just depends on your comfortability with it, like how long you've had it. I, I notice people that I are more recently diagnosed too. when they're older are a, li- a little bit more strict with themselves yeah. just yeah. because I feel like they're not as, their hands aren't as held as like when you're a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah. They don't. They try to sugarcoat it for us, I think, ironically. Um, <laughs> like, make it not seem as bad. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're older, like, they don't, they just tell you what it is. And that can be scary, I think. Like, totally. when you're 29, 30, and you're throwing this curveball for the rest of your life. Like, yeah. that's what type one is. It's the rest of your life, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go about it. Let's go to a new question. Sure. Eric. So, we kind of talked about, like, so obviously this affects your day to day, but outside of, like, tracking like what you eat 
and things like that or like like watching how many carbs are you're intaking and like at each meal like outside of that part of the day-to-day how does type one affect you on a day-to-day basis oh man so like even if i try to go exercise i need to watch Mm. closely doing that so like if i want to go do like a 30 minute run on the treadmill yeah i need to like be watching what my number is on my phone and like have so a couple weeks ago i did and i had like a bottle of apple juice and my bottle of water on the treadmill so like i have both so if i start to drop i can get a quick hit with the apple juice and just kind of like balance that out so exercise affects your your number Every, everything, everything affects, affects the number. <laughs> yeah so, i yeah okay i didn't i didn't realize that so yeah so like exercise will make you drop so like when i was it'll younger, make you drop low because you're getting rid of your carbs right that the basic the basic right yeah so carbs it. carbs is what we use for energy so yeah. you need energy when you're working out right so, okay yeah, so yeah wow yeah so like when i was younger and i swam pretty much every day yeah i'd get out of the pool halfway through and check and eat something and wait and get back in the pool dude. but the rule you're not allowed to get back in the pool after you eat you gotta that's, wait 30 that's minutes a, that's an urban legend <laughs> or i would use that and just milk it to get out of the rest Wrong-o. of practice <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah i would do that a lot i would say i felt low just to get out of the set and just like yeah. sit out of the pool for a little bit <laughs> L- lows like, can get you out a lot of things i need, I need yeah. some juice i don't like the stroke i'm gonna wait it out <laughs> yeah pretty much that's awesome that's awesome well, that's very interesting. I did not, I did not realize that, but it all makes that makes total sense when, when yeah. now that I, I've, I've known a little bit more about it. And like, also, so having a CGM, so like I mentioned earlier, like I was getting these low alerts mm-hmm. like all night, so like loss of sleep for any number of reasons. Mm. If it's a day that I need to change out all my pump stuff, like that's that's a thing. Five ten minutes, so like could be doing something else. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, how like, often do you have to do that? Every three days. Okay. So, how often do you really do it? <laughs> every every three <laughs> no, days. Okay, <laughs> that's one of those things that you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like if it's empty, you got to refill it. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, <laughs> what what a pump are you on? I just started with the Tandem T Slim Two. Okay. Gotcha. I was on a Medtronic pump for I think five years. Yeah, like five and a half years, and then I just now got insurance so i was able to get new supplies and upgrade and a new all kinds one of stuff yeah. and new fancy tech which is awesome yeah t slim that's the one where you can download uh software onto it so that be- before that pumps were pretty much like you get the pump and that's it like it doesn't really change much beyond yeah. that but now like the new thing is like algorithms that will like listen to your blood sugars and then adjust your insulin like automatically automatically mm-hmm. yeah so there's the bolus which is before you eat and then there's the basal which is another medical term it's just the the minimal amount of whatever you need to like retain like biological living functions and so everybody has like you your body has a basal rate of insulin that it produces every now and again to keep you within that like mm. line we don't do that anymore because we have type one so our machines do it for us but like with this new technology that's coming out it's called uh i guess looping it's part of looping but what's yours specifically called it's basal Um, iq isn't it yeah so with the tandem pump it's currently it's called basal iq the insulin pump that i have communicates with the dexcom g6 so i don't have that yet yet um but when i get that hopefully soon 
the CGM would talk to the pump. Mm-hmm. And like, if I'm going low, it would like cut all insulin delivery. Mm, suspend it, yeah. And then they're also working on an update that should be out this year. But I think they're calling like complete IQ. Oh, so it does would, the highs too. would do highs too. So like if I'm climbing too fast, it would like give me extra insulin. Mm. So that's stuff that we would do. We would have to do or have been doing, I guess, for Manually. many years. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because if we notice a, a high, we dose accordingly. But this the technology is going in that way where you have to think about it less. Like the it the algorithms do it for you, basically. Yeah. They're not perfect, but they're getting they're getting better. They're getting. Yeah. So I've seen some success stories and like you know people that haven't had the best of luck with it, but it's kind of it's getting there to the point where pumps will be doing those kind of like minor details for you, yeah. so that you don't have to worry about them as much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. So I'm, I'm excited for what's on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's one called the horizon actually coming out. <laughs> yeah. The marketing it's not a plug. The mar- <laughs> yeah, no. The marketing team on that was really, really on the ball. But yeah. That's good. Yeah. I can move on to my next question. Yeah, let's go. You mentioned that because you just got insurance, but how does, how does all, all of this impact you financially? In the worst possible way. <laughs> yeah. So... Gosh, I could go into like probably an hour long story about just the past two years of my life at this point, which I think this story is going to be published on Beyond Type 1 sometime in the next week or so. Oh, cool. So maybe look for it there. Yeah. But I'll give like a brief overview. Yeah. Um, I had a job and then I lost that job. So I lost my insurance. Yeah. But I was able to get like my last kind of three months of supplies through that. Gotcha. Um, also was connected with like a nonprofit pharmacy and they had just gotten a big donation of insulin and um, pump supplies that were compatible with what I was using. So I had like stuff that got me through pretty much like end of March through the beginning of February the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was awesome to like not have to worry about costs or anything. But yeah. like when I was at that job, our insurance was really bad. So I would have, I remember I went to like Walgreens to get my first, like just one month supply and had to pay like $260 for like two bottles of insulin. And how long does that usually last you? Uh, that was for a month. A month. Yeah. Um, but then I did get enrolled with the like mail order pharmacy so then i could get three months supply mm. but then like a three month supply still cost me 250 dollars. so i mean that's nicer but still like to be dropping it's a line item on the budget right yeah and that's just for the insulin yeah then you have to factor in costs for pump supplies which that yeah. was probably three to four hundred for three months yeah so yeah it's it's expensive yeah it's really, it's really expensive yeah. and it's unfortunate, you know, I, that something that you struggle with health wise, that's not like your fault or anything like that or, or whatever that you, in, in order to survive, you have to spend so much money. Right. It's a lot of money. And I know there's all kinds of programs out there and, you know, you can get in tune with, with all that stuff, but at the end of the day, you're still going to be paying a lot of money out of pocket. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And those programs exist, but they're kind of hard to find. Right. They're usually put in place by the people selling the supplies. So they make mm-hmm. it, they make you jump through a lot of hoops sure. in order to like 
qualify. Sure. Because they're they're not going to give it up for no, free. No, and and yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, they're producing a product that you know they need to make money in order to keep going, and I and I get that. But like, yeah, that's you're talking about like your life, like which yeah. makes it right. you know really personal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. And and it's just it's just crazy because you know I I feel like there's a lot of other drugs that are out there, or you know I should say prescription prescriptions out there that are really low cost because so many people are are on it you would think that being a diabetic there's a lot of people that are that are diabetic i would say it's pretty substantial amount of people well type ones are pretty small in number with like so diabetes is the umbrella term yeah so there's type ones and type twos type ones make up about five to ten percent of that greater population of all people with diabetes so again, so yeah, but that makes sense. Like the more people that have it, the the cost should go the down. The cost should go down, right? But because, that's kind of a big debate right now, at least, and co- it's in Congress being discussed. The three big major companies seem to have increased their pricing over the last ten years or so. Like yeah. almost in like at the exact same time every year, mm. it goes slightly more and more. But it's not that way in other developed countries. They have different healthcare systems, but sure. they still sell the same products for way less. And yeah. people are trying to figure out why they're doing that here. And it's mostly because they can. That's a big, big discussion in, yeah, our, in our world. No, it, but right. you're right. The more people that have it, the easier it should be to get because there's more people buying it. But that doesn't seem to be the case, at least with insulin for yeah. whatever reason. One of the reasons I heard uh, a CEO from one of those companies is, well, it's because of our high standard of living. So, like, people are willing to pay more. Like, well, obviously, we're 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 a high economic country. You're like, sure, yeah. fork over whatever you demand us to pay. And because the idea we don't being, well, die. Yeah, right, because we right. have to live. Like, we need this to live. It's not because we, right. We yeah, want yeah to. exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Um, like, you need it to live. It's not like a. Lu- it's yeah. not a luxury. It's not like it's you're buying not. like a Lexus versus like you know a, a Kia. Right. Um, exactly. You know, and then you can go across the border in Canada, which is five four hours away from us yeah. uh, right now, and you can get it for around thirty to forty dollars us or maybe even less than that that might be canadian a vial yeah which is a tenth of the cost yeah the states like yeah and it's it's pretty much the same thing like they just ship it across the border (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not even not even different they don't make it over there we make it here we send it to them yeah yeah Yeah. that's wild it's and truly unfortunate ridiculous yeah yeah Hopefully it's getting better. Yeah. It's yeah. getting talked about at least, which it's been yeah. in the news a lot. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's a lot of people I've talking it about Dave. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> probably on his news feed, probably. Yeah. Yep. But I've seen it on yeah. like late night shows they're talking about insulin specifically. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the poster child for like the healthcare system. They're well, using it. You know, it's, it's actually interesting. You know, so I work for American Eagle. We have a, a sister company called Aerie. They're our right. lingerie line yeah. and also women's apparel. Yeah. yeah. And we had a, it was a big thing last year where we had a, a bunch of our models in their underwear post or pose with whatever ailment they had. Their like, medical devices. Yeah. yeah. And one of them was diabetes. And I remember like Dave, like Dave, like knew about it, which yeah, was pretty yeah. cool. So like yeah. it went viral yeah, and I thought, absolutely. you know, more awareness and, you know, it actually like, you know, just thinking like thinking about that after like I was kind of like, you know, what's the point? You know, like. I, I didn't, I didn't really, honestly, like I really didn't get it, you know, Yeah. but then it like dawned on me. It's like, it just makes it more real and more tangible. And like, just, mm-hmm. it just kind of shows the struggle of the day in day out. Yeah, of, I, of I think part of it's it. like also the whole idea of like representation in the media mm-hmm. like to see 
someone that deals with what we deal with that can be successful and like empowered through their condition mm-hmm. rather than like feeling defeated by it. Right. Or feeling yeah. awkward that like you have this thing right. hanging off of you yeah. all the time. You know, I just, yeah, it, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. 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 Her name's Evie and there's a, a rig- or recently beyond type one. It's a nonprofit that uh, deals with educating, advocating and, eventually curing type one yeah um so they raise money for those kinds of efforts but they interviewed her there's a video interview i think it's out on youtube now um her name's evie she's from toronto mm-hmm. and uh yeah I, I would check it out if you're listening and you want to learn more about evie and how she became an art she's a i think she's professionally she's a model she's in school but she's yeah. does modeling on the side and she it's a really cool discussion i think you'd check it out yeah if you're interested cool. yeah and then i do have one more question yes Go for it. what do you worry about or fear the most um other than dying like that like right right <laughs> yeah that's that's always the big one but yeah you know, i think for me being still like relatively young adult single guy i think what scares me or like i'm afraid of is like being a burden on mm. my future spouse mm. like even before type one i come as like a financial burden because of like educational debt but like yeah take that and just like exponential even more mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, let's, let's start a family, but let's also like make sure we have $1,500 a month so I can get everything I need. Right. Like On top of everything else we need to pay for. Right. <laughs> On top of the mortgage yeah, <laughs> and I, the car loan. And I think that's probably stuff. the scariest thing that like, I'm afraid of is just like being a burden to people that I care about and people that I love and just like finding, I don't know, finding something good in that kind of realm of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you are not a burden. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but no, that's it, it. Does make sense? Like you, you kind of carry that the weight and the baggage of it, mm-hmm. um, and like we've already talked about from a fan, financial perspective. So it does, it does make sense. You don't want to put it on somebody else. Wow, I'm just like going on dates and trying to like tell people that is like awkward too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh. Let's get to know each other, but also, like, here's this thing that I could possibly die at any moment. Right. Hopefully yeah. not, but, I mean, it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> right. It's a potential, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, it's a discussion that gets brought up a lot in, like, our circle, especially around, like, um, Valentine's Day. It's, like, a big article. is like, how do you tell your significant other? Um, mm. But then something that I haven't heard a whole lot of, We I talked about it on a previous episode once, um, but, like, after that. So, like, telling someone is hard, but, like, living with someone And then still having it is another thing because like you have to bring them in on it. And I think the burden idea is something that we, a lot of us deal with. Like we don't want to be a burden because we live with this. We deal with it because we have to, but it is a burden and we would most likely rather not if we had the choice. And so I think it's really hard for us to kind of conceive or like think of a person that would actually like willingly jump into that. Mm -hmm. So I think at least that's, I've had that kind of thought a lot before. And that's kind of where my fear or worry lies is like, who would want to sign up for this? Like, I cannot right. imagine why anybody would. But yeah, so that's it's uh, something I've heard a lot about. Burden. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, because that's. Unf- I mean, I I feel like love. You know, you know, conquers hate all the time. So I feel like you know when you when you get into a relationship and you want to marry somebody, you're 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 signing up. Like you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you know, you're yeah. you're you're one now. And yeah, yeah. Wow. But still, 
I, that's an incredible it's definitely happened. on you guys. I, do, I definitely know type 1s that have met their significant others after being diagnosed and gotten married and all that stuff. Yeah. But still, it's like, you know, it's one of those things. But I have also heard Nick Jonas. He's one of our famous type 1s. He's yeah. had type 1 for a really long time. Yeah. But he was dumped because he had type 1. Like oh, wow. There was a story I heard mm. that he, he told this person that he was seeing that he had type 1 and they just like, I don't want to deal with that. But, and it's Nick Jonas, like, I like yeah, he's Joe Bro. No, but now he's, but now he's, well, I was going to say, was this pre being like pre, the, pre the Nick Yonka. Jonas that we know? Right. He was diagnosed with like 13, Man, that was, so he's, no, he was, yeah, he that was, was unfortunate for that person because right. obviously he doesn't really have a financial problem and he can probably supply himself with whatever he needs for the rest yeah. of his life yeah. at this point. So, but no, this yeah. was a few years ago. It was definitely, <laughs> obviously, it wasn't Priyanka, obviously, because they're married. But, um, but yeah, so, but even then, like, people that don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Like th- his kind of situation didn't really, you didn't have to worry about it like financially at least, right. but yeah. still like there's that kind of worry in the back of your head or at least mine or other people's. Yeah. But it's definitely possible. Like I, I, I know people that have gotten married after their diagnosis. <laughs> One person that I met, he was diagnosed like a couple of days before his wedding. Like, wow. You know, oh, wow. Yeah. That and it was tough. weird. Wow. Yeah. And he was, you know, 30, later 30s, I think early 40s. Yeah. But yeah, this can come at any point. Like, even if you are, like, uh, the person that we had on last episode with a, with a non-type 1, she was married for a couple of years and then got diagnosed with type 1. So wow. her husband was there for the whole whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And that was a couple of years ago. But So it's possible, but there's still that kind of, like, lingering doubt. I get that. Yeah. 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 Moving on from that very heavy discussion, let's get into a game that Dave suggested. So you suggested uh, a pretty interesting kind of thought experiment, I think. So basically, I'm going to call this, what would Dave do? So basically, <laughs> Dave Dave is going to give you a scenario, like a type one scenario, oh and then you're going to have to kind of guess or kind of try to figure out what he would do in that situation. All so right. Dave, do you have an idea of what you would like to talk about? Oh. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a nice gentle lob softball. for the first we one because we kind of a slam dunk a yeah, softball already, already <laughs> a layup pretty much told you the story okay uh, so like with this morning getting an alert and it's saying that my blood sugar is forty six yeah what would Dave do eat a donut <laughs> yeah that's actually really good that's yeah. If, if <laughs> nailed it nailed it <laughs> got yeah. it so yeah you need to replenish your your carbs or sugar or whatever yeah. and and get back up yeah right yeah yeah um all right next one let's say that oh i don't know if i want to dive right into this i got i got one ready but i'll hold on that one because that one's like next level next level all right um so let's say that my blood sugar level is 240 and I'm getting ready to go. Let's say I'm getting ready to go to dinner at Olive Garden. What would Dave do? Okay, so 240, you're high. Right. That means you would need insulin. Yep. Correct. But you're going to Olive Garden, which I'm assuming you're going to be eating some carbs. I think yeah. the, the buildings are made of carbs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's and there's endless breadsticks. Bread yeah, right. <laughs> That's the appetizer. You have to pay for right, that. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm assuming that you would need to pump. You wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to pump to get you back down to a normal level. You would want to pump more to get you actually lower, to prepare to eat at Olive Garden. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how would you, so if you're a 240, what number would you try to hit 
before you went to Olive Garden. So Depends on how many breadsticks you eat, <laughs> right? But but um, in general, so a lot of the pumps you can program, like all the pumps you can program, so it has like what my target is, yeah, um, and then also like what my sensitivity is, so like how much the insulin affects me, and then like an insulin to carb ratio, so like how much insulin per how many grams of carbs, yeah, cancel each other out, yeah. So the nice thing is like I can just put all those numbers, put like 240 and just probably like all the carbs into my <laughs> pump <laughs> and it will like kind of spit out a number and say, you need this much. Yeah. And yeah. then just like, all right, go with that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, just kind of watch yeah. where my numbers go. That makes sense. Man, this is really good because now I feel more like, and I encourage like, if you're a type one listening to this, I would encourage you to have your type none friends and family listen to the show because now I have a better idea of what Dave's needs are. So if like something were to happen, I have a better idea of what to do. Right. And you know, we do care about our type ones in our life. We do love you guys. And I think this has been, this is really good. I always, I also like this lightning round. So this is, this is good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed yet. So let's, uh, let's hit, let's hit it. So this, this will be the curveball. Okay. Cause I think, I think even Walt could agree that like, he wouldn't know what to do in Maybe, this yeah. scenario. Okay. Let's even say, so let's say like my blood sugar is like even just like 140. Okay. But we're having a pizza party at work today for lunch. Okay. What would Dave do? Okay. So we're borderline high. Ish. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. like, cause the, the range is like seven to one seventy to 150. Sure. And we're at 140. So, and you're going to be eating some carbs. I'm assuming that it would do something similar to the Olive Garden situation, but not as drastic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, P- think about... Pizza's a tricky one. Yeah, think about okay. pizza. There's, like, the pizza effect, we call it, or our fur people call it. So think about pizza. So there's carbs, you're right, but what yeah. else is pizza? So you got your sauce, which also has sugar in it. Sugary, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you have your cheese, which is not carbs, and then depending on what toppings, it's mostly vegetables and meat. But I don't know what, okay, so here's, I don't know what the non-carb food does right. Yeah. in terms of how it affects your sure. your blood sugar yeah. level. And this, this even kind of morphs into like a question that I have. So there's a term called like square bolusing. Okay. Um, so like um, obviously a bolus is type one time take out. the dose. And you... I've never heard that. <laughs> what you is haven't that? heard no. square bolusing or like yeah. delayed bolus? Oh, that. Okay. I didn't hear it called that. Okay. But wait. I, yeah. think, I think Medtronic has like... That's what they call it. They call it square. I think I have the Omnipod uh, and I think it's extended. So like you can... Yeah. I think Tandem yeah. says extended. Okay. Um, so thing with like pizza. So you've got your initial carbs, but then like your cheese and your meats are like high protein and high fat. Yes. Which can like result in a spike later, which like that stuff that I don't know why that happens. So So, like you take, you program in like your dose and it gives you like so much now to cover kind of the carbs and then like the initial carbs. Yeah. And then like it up the dough and the uh, sugar and the sauce. Yeah. Yeah. And then it'll like slowly give you more for the next, like whatever you tell it to do, like two hours it yeah. will give you a larger dose than what your baseline rate is to sort of compensate that like later spike 
So if you would eat like a steak dinner, like just steak and vegetables, like really no carbs, you're more worried about later. Yeah. So okay. So basically, so there's two things kind of kind of going on with pizza. So there's the protein from like meats if you do that, and then there's also fat. So fat has like the effect of it doesn't insulin kind of it's harder for insulin to work when there's fat in your system because you're like breaking it down. Okay. But then also protein turns into carbs, like a a very small, like a percentage of it turns into carbs later on, but it's like over a a very slow, long burn. Like Mm. protein is like a source of energy. If you, you know, go into the food science of it. So I think recently there is a, a a type one celeb on Instagram that did like a early, I think pretty accurate way of describing it. So like, I think the number is 0.6 you multiply the amount of protein by 0.6 and that's the amount of carbs that will be hitting you eventually. Yeah. And then, but it's, it's not like immediately when you're eating, but it's more like two or three hours later, which is what the pizza effect is. So like you'll have all, you'll eat your pizza, you'll, you know, theoretically bolus correctly for it, but then all of a sudden the fat will kind of go away and then that's when the carbs start to kick in. Yeah. So like you'll have your pizza and then like two or three hours later, you'll spike up like hard. So you Maybe. still need the pre-bolus. Yeah, but it's a good just, idea. Okay. Gotcha. So then the extent, that's where the square bolusing or the extended bolus comes in. So like my pump, you type it in. I want to give 12 units for this two pieces of pizza, but I want to have 75% of that go first or up front. And then the two or three hours later, the rest of it comes out. So then that's kind of how you would, that's kind of the idea is breaking up your bolus so that it affects or it hits your sugar at the points where your sugar is actually being affected by the food that you're eating. So more math and more kind of guesstimation. Have you yeah. had success with extended bolus? I mean, like- sometimes like one time I, I remember I got, I had two pieces of pizza. I did eight units before and then three, like three hours, almost exactly three units. And then the next morning I was like 90, 100. Like I had got it nailed it nailed it <laughs> but it was like for it was apparently for that specific set right. of pizza or in that specific <laughs> circumstance because you know a lot of things affect your sugar like yeah. it just and i think that was the right because the, the rest of the day factors in right right and i was at that wow. point i had been biking a lot so like there was a lot of activity probably going on so like that activity probably helped way more than i even kind of could have thought of so yeah. i just like i just happened to get lucky so like <laughs> so yeah so it's definitely the if you do one thing today, it won't necessarily work tomorrow. Yeah, like that kind of thing. Oh, for sure. But yeah, wow. so pizza is one of those one of those elusives, like the white whale for type ones. That's what that's what I was yeah. looking for. The animal, the white whale. Gotcha. Yeah. I tried uh, an extended bolus and just like failed miserably. Right. So yeah. it's just like I don't even bother. I'll just like dose what I think I need at the moment, and then hope for the best. I'll go <laughs> high later, and I'll just do a correction dose. Yeah. Later, yeah. like. And I think it's wow. like one of those, the issues that the programmers, like the algorithm people that are like trying to figure out, like, how do we get this? So like, it's basically your dosaging is happening while you're eating. So like not before or after, but like during it. So like the idea being like you're, you shoot up before the pizza, but then you're also shooting up during the pizza so yeah. that you can kind of mitigate the high coming later. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a very hard target to hit. People yeah. are, people are, people are like discovering new ways to do it and like, Oh, I found it. But then it doesn't work. <laughs> right, but, right, like, and, right. Or it doesn't work for me. It works right, for them, right. but not, it, not it Dave. It worked for yeah. them on that Tuesday and then they do it a month later and it doesn't work. Right. It like, goes horribly wrong. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Pizza. Yeah. Pizza is a big thing, but we love it. So uh, yeah. who doesn't pizza right. and cupcakes all day. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Here's an extra little bonus to see if Eric can answer this question. All right. Okay. If you know and can explain the difference between type one and type two. Ooh. So just my ignorant knowledge, <laughs> call it. <laughs> so type one, you need you need insulin. Like there's yeah. there's no way around it. Like you need yeah. a medical prescription, whatever, in order to balance your blood sugar out. In the US. In the US. Canada you don't need a prescription. Or Mexico. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. <laughs> But you well you need you need the insulin the, the insulin is the more important the part. Right, the yeah, prescription yeah. is just, you know, <laughs> yeah. semantic. Gotcha. You know, it's more legal than anything else. But right. type two, you can really control it more with your diet. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know I'd say that's accurate. But there are for... like prescription like drugs like pills mm-hmm. or whatever that you can take to to help it but yeah. i don't like is is it just less severe and it's more mild than than type 1 so it's like it's a little easier to to you, control you don't need something as drastic as insulin to, to help you out you could call it that uh like from what i know there's so type 2 still make insulin it's just that their body doesn't use it as efficiently as it used to that's why you see it more so or at least you used to see it more so in older people because it's just you know they're older their pancreas doesn't work as efficiently as it used to mm. that's the part of the body that makes your insulin and so that's why kind of that's how they kind of like kind of slowly progress into type 2 and yeah. then there's medications that can like amp up your insulin production gotcha. so then that's what they need basically they yeah. just need more insulin for what they're doing because they're eating um some people actually take insulin like the kind that we do yeah but uh not as much like not nearly as much as we do cuz their their body still makes it they just yeah. don't use it as efficiently gotcha. um yeah. but what they're noticing now is that children are getting type 2 or being diagnosed with type 2 and there is like a correlation or like at least a link between lifestyle so like if you're eating a lot of like like a very carb heavy diet your body is just making so much insulin that eventually just kind of built a tolerance to it and it stops working as effectively mm. and our our lifestyles are a lot more sedentary like kids especially they're not doing gym or like recess as much as they used to so they're not as active yeah and uh activities today are a lot of them involve like a computer screen. So like there's right. not as much physical activity, yeah. which could help. So that's why you're seeing it a lot more in like teens and like the younger people. Yeah. But before it was type before that, it was mostly in adults or older people. And then there's also right. genetic components involved. Like you're more predisposed to it as opposed to another person. So mm. like you get it more easily. Um, but yeah, but you're kind of on the right track. So like insulin or type one is insulin dependent. That's basically like the only real difference is that we don't make insulin at all. So we have to buy it and put it into ourselves. And then everything else around that is just kind of revolves around our inability to make insulin. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Wow. that's the big difference I would say. Wow. Nailed it. Good Nailed job. it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Dave, is there anything that you'd like to say or anything like final thoughts, things that you'd wish people would know type ones or type nuns? Yeah, I I think always the biggest thing that like type ones get annoyed with is when, so even even my one supervisor at the university will like always make the joke like that I can't eat something and like mm-hmm. I don't want to correct this like sixty five year old woman to like stop making this joke, mm-hmm. but at the same time like I do. Yeah, that's always a big thing. You don't want to be that guy or right. that or that woman, you know? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Even this week and watching some like late night shows. They just make jokes of diabetes, and it's just, like, really frustrating because I think even you kind of hinted at that, like, everyone kind of thinks of 
type two when they first think of Mm -hmm. diabetes and just sort of sedentary lifestyle, older, like overweight people. But like Jimmy Fallon made a joke this week about Lucky Charms releasing a cereal that's just all marshmallows and then made the joke, it's magically diabetic. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, do better. Like Jimmy, Yeah. learn something. Have your writers do research before they make dumb, easy jokes that aren't funny. Uh. Yeah. And they're, yeah, they're not even true. They're, right. they're medically ignorant. And yeah. yeah. Right. And I think it kind of goes along with the idea that people just don't know that they can get type one at any point in their life. Right. That's like people I assume that, that today. Yeah. yeah. Right. P- people <laughs> assume that they, they don't need enough sugar to get type ones. Like, why do they have to worry about it? And right. it could, and it kind of downplays like the very life and death kind of aspect to it yeah. if you're going if you have type 1 and you're not being diagnosed and you're not treating it it could you could die very quickly and very painfully yeah and it's very easy to to fix like you just need insulin like yeah. you know but getting to that diagnosis can be difficult especially if you don't really fit into that kind of cookie cutter age range that people right. think or thought that right. it was i'm trying to remember the name of the podcast i think it's like the memory palace they did an episode that talked about a type one prior to the discovery of insulin. Mm-hmm. And you're basically just like put on bed rest and on like a starvation diet. Yeah. Literally just so you can survive. And like they talked about one child who had asked for a pet bird, but then he was like stealing the bird food just so he could eat something mm. and then like put him into just like a terrible downward spir- spiral. It's very severe. It's way more of a thing than people kind of realize and like think about kind of the idea behind that so and we need insulin because it turns the carbs that we eat into the energy that the body can use so without that a really big symptom that people notice is a severe weight loss like dramatic it's because we no matter how much we eat we can't gain the weight because our body isn't turning it into energy that we're using so it just kind of just builds up Mm -hmm. so it builds up but the body still needs energy to use. So usually it goes for the fat first. So that's why you, you see like a huge dramatic weight loss. I was 85 pounds, 80 pounds when I went to the hospital when I was 12. And you definitely, I'm pretty sure I was like in the 100 pound age range. Like that's what I, what I should have been. But yeah. I was 80 pounds. Yeah. And I remember my, my grandma specifically says like, oh, you look terrible. Like you looked absolutely mm. like sunk, like my cheeks were sunken in. Like I was yeah. just like, I visibly looked like death, but I was eating. Like, And you can eat as much as you want, but if you're not taking the insulin to turn that into energy it just you just pee it away right. like literally like yeah that's what yeah. that's another symptom like going to the bathroom a lot because you're so thirsty because you're trying to get rid of the sugar mm-hmm. because it's not doing anything for you mm. and so yeah so it's uh it's been like i learned type one's actually been around for thousands of years like they have medical documents from ancient egypt of people yeah. describing it and mm-hmm. like talking it's very clearly type one diabetes and they and it's been around for forever yeah and uh, Mm -hmm. around the time of like banting when he discovered insulin and a way to give it to people it was a death sentence like it they took it a lot more seriously back then i think because kids were dying right and it was always kids like in that that time period it was mostly kids that were getting it right so there was like they took it very seriously and there was like a big movement to like find something to do this like banting just uh, read a paper he just kind of happened to run across a paper like talking about insulin and like what it was but the way that they were extracting it uh it degraded so it wasn't you couldn't work it you can use it so that's kind of like what his impetus to like discover it and like eventually you like the vial that we know today is because of him and like just discovering it and it was like a huge breakthrough because people you know hundreds of kids were dying every year and they couldn't figure out why or they couldn't figure out how to save them even that starvation diet would really only keep you alive for like a year Yep. If mo- if that wow 
So Worsley wasn't, it didn't really fix anything. People weren't living very long lives on that diet. It was just a way to keep your sugar down. So, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's a very serious condition. And I think, and I agree with Dave. Um, It doesn't get the, I think, the seriousness that it deserves. I was, I was at a conference once for diabetes educators and uh, one of the ladies called it diabetes. And like, I'm personally, I hate that word. Like, I don't like it's, it's. It's, you know, Wilford Brimley. Brimley. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she, I think it was just her accent. Like, that's just how she pronounces it. Yeah. But, like, right. she was a diabetes educator. And yeah. she called it diabetes. diabetes. Yeah. 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 And it just kind of hit me. It's like, oh, God. There's, like, there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> right. Um, and I, yeah. she wasn't, like, mocking it or anything. Like, that's just what she called right. it. Yeah, Even though right. she called herself a diabetes educator, she, like, said it perfectly when yeah. she was, like, introducing herself <laughs> as in her profession. But it's diabetes is how she pronounced it. <laughs> And I think it's just, you know, people just don't get it. Like, well, yeah, I like, think there's a lot of ignorance. Like, I like yeah. I came in here really ignorant, but I'm leaving a lot more educated and, and enlightened. Yeah, that's the that's the idea behind the show. And I think that's why people think that they can make those jokes, just because, oh, it's an easy laugh. Like, you know, I need a laugh at this point during the show, so let's just throw that in there. Right. And I don't think people understand why they're laughing. Right. Because to us, it's like, oh, I'm going to die if I eat that bowl of marshmallows. And I don't take my medication for it, but or you're gonna yeah. get diabetes from eating right. all that, right. Yeah. right? It's like there's always that joke, like with the Lucky Charms marshmallows. So there was like that unicorn frappuccino. It's like yeah. diabetes in a cup. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Right, go right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I get annoyed by, annoyed by those like those flippant jokes. They're very. They're not even like the main joke. It's just kind of just a throwaway. It's, yeah, it's a throwaway. Yeah. yeah, it's a garbage joke. It's yeah. like you're you're smarter than that. Like yes. Yeah. Make a better joke. Like, You're a better writer than that. Right. Yeah. At least I hope they are. <laughs> right. You I, would think. I would hope Fallon has like a good staff of writers. A top, top notch staff. Does, right. Yeah. Like, and even one of his guests, like in the past month or two, they made a similar joke. And it's just like, come on. Yeah. It's just educate yourself. I want to get on one of those shows and like check my sugar on the show. An idea that I had. <laughs> yeah. Or test, test the person's, the, the talk show person. Yeah, on air. Yeah, (laughs) Ellen, if you're listening, I'm available. I feel that would be the best route to take. Ellen, yeah, come on, let's let's just petition Ellen. Get a horde of diabetics. Check check your sugar on air. Yeah. Oh, but then that would get awkward if like we had to diagnose Ellen or like Stephen Colbert on air. It's like, right? It's got real awkward. You got to go to the emergency room we right some now. Tough news. Like, uh, Jimmy, maybe you shouldn't have eaten that bowl of marshmallows. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just slam it in their face. Eric, did you have any final thoughts you want to add? Um, just like to emphasize and encourage people to um, reach out to their type one friends and family members and just get a better understanding and, and maybe listen to this podcast together. Um, I'm sure I'm going to go back and listen to other episodes to, to see what other people are asking and, and things like that. Cause I think like you guys are talking about, like you guys are very serious about it. Like we've, we've laughed and we've had, we've had a good time, but you know, at the end of the day, it is a life and death thing. So it's, you know, it's incredibly important to be more informed and more aware of, of any given situation that, that, that we're in with, with, with uh, type one. So yeah, just encourage people to definitely. You know, by listening to Ask Me About My Type 1. Perfect. Done. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion. Absolutely. All right. Thanks so much, guys, for coming in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And that's the episode. What'd y'all think? 
Have any of you type 1s ever been afraid of someone not accepting you because of your type 1 and the burden that you think it might bring? Ultimately, I think it's a confidence issue, which isn't surprising considering we're talking about social relationships. Looking back on the times that I felt that maybe I wasn't worth having to deal with the burden of my type 1, I was actually using it as an excuse. My type 1 really had nothing to do with it. It's a mindset that I can't say I've completely shaken off, but it's one that I can escape from when I stop thinking about the things that I can't do, in this case make insulin, and all that that entails, and start focusing on the things that I can do. But not just can do, but enjoy doing. Like biking across the country a couple different times, or starting a podcast. These things definitely help remind me that while type 1 is a part of me, it isn't all of me. And that if I show people that, they'll see it too. But those are just my thoughts. What do you think? You can let me know by visiting the contact page at askabouttype1.com or sending me a DM or commenting on Instagram at askabouttype1. Next week's episode is going to be another special one. It's Type 1 Summit season here in Pittsburgh. And because of that, I had the opportunity to speak with not just one, not just two, but three dia celebrities. That's what we call our Type 1 celebrities for all you Type nuns listening. Tune in to hear me talk to T1D chick Jillian, demolisher of donuts, Chris Rudin, and glitter glucose herself, Paloma. We get into topics like whether or not we ever think about not having type 1, and our thoughts on traveling with type 1, and our interactions with TSA. Alright everyone, I'm gonna head out. All this pizza talk has gotten me interested in trying out this new cauliflower pizza crust. Is it really pizza if it's sitting on top of a cauliflower crust? Or is it just a fancy salad with pizza sauce? I'm gonna find out. Bye!